If you're always overwhelmed and stressed, these next few episodes are going to show you exactly how to get back in control. Stick around and find out. If there's anything I've learned from my time caring for the seriously ill, it's to appreciate the extraordinary gift of this thing we call life. Hi, I'm Dr. Kathy Zhang, palliative care physician, author, and speaker. And my goal is to bring the clarity, purpose, and meaning often found at the end of life to help you live your best and most fulfilling existence now. I truly believe everyone on this planet has a purpose, and it's my mission to help you filter out the noise and discover yours. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Purpose Filter. How you're all doing out there? I hope you're doing well. I have an announcement, not a big announcement, but I am so over January. I don't know if you are. It is so cold. It was snowing over the weekend. It sneeded, sneeded? No, it sleeted. It rained. And my I live in a very, very old house. In fact, when we were doing renovations this past summer, we found newspaper as insulation in the walls. And it was like the New York Times from 1918. So my radiator gets very rattly and makes all these clanging noises. So I have to record when the heat is off. Otherwise, all those clanging noises get into this episode. But the uh, obviously consequences, I am so cold right now. And we used to go travel a lot in January. We'd go somewhere warm. I used to go to Sundance, the film festival in Utah, but with COVID, obviously that's not happening. Anyhow, I was texting with a friend of mine recently who was saying she's tired, but good, but overwhelmed. And I was like, oh, I know we all feel this. So I wanted to talk a little bit about overwhelm and break it down and break it up into a few different episodes. So what's what's the definition of overwhelm, right? I always like to look things up. And so definition of overwhelm, there's a couple good ones. There's one from Merriam-Webster, which is to affect someone very strongly, to cause someone to have too many things to deal with, to defeat someone or something completely. And then there was another one that I really loved. I think it's from Oxford, which was bury or drown beneath a huge mass. And I was like, oh, that's the definition of overwhelm, right? And you know exactly, you feel it viscerally when you hear that definition. And so, you know, when we think about overwhelm, we think of it as like a state of being in a sense, but what we have to remember that overwhelm, like so many other things, is just an emotion, right? It's an emotion that we feel based upon a story, a thought that we create in our brains about whatever is happening to us. The situation, whatever's happening in the external world, that doesn't cause us to feel overwhelmed. That just happens. We are the ones that make something up in our heads. We make that situation, that consequence have a meaning. And usually if it causes us to be overwhelmed, that meaning, that story is a negative one, right? Otherwise, if it was a positive one, if it was joyous and happy, we wouldn't be overwhelmed. We'd be joyful and happy, right? So let's take an example. 
let's say you have a really busy day ahead of you at work or at home or whatever it is, and there's a lot of things that need to get done. And the more that you think about them, the more that you mentally catalog what you have to do, the more you start to feel overwhelmed. And so what's going on in your head when you're starting to feel overwhelmed? Usually it's because you're thinking, oh my God, there's so much to do. How am I going to get it done? How am I going to get all this addressed in a single day? There's not enough hours in the day. I'm going to be running around. I'm going to just be you know, doing all these things and I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'll have the time, et cetera, et cetera. And so you see there's a story there. There's a thought pattern there that's unhelpful for us because if we had days where we were like, you know what, I've got a lot of things to do, but I got this. I, I'm going to handle it. I'm going to do this, 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 and this, in this, this, and this order. And it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to get it done. Then what's the emotion that you feel? You feel confident. You feel assured that you're going to be able to handle all this stuff rather than overwhelmed and burdened and stressed out. So that's what I wanted to do with these series is kind of take us through some actionable, practical things that we can do in our life, with our surroundings, within our bodies, ourselves, so that we can get a better hold of overwhelm. Because if we really think about it, we're the ones that are reacting to our external environment. And the way that we react with stress or overwhelm or frustration is what we're going to feel. If our emotions, when we react to our external world, is confidence, self-assuredness, resourcefulness, then we're going to feel perfectly fine about our day, our tasks, our lives, in a sense. So I wanted to start off with, let's say, least personal or perhaps easiest to most personal or most invasive, you could say. I used to do something with my residents when I was a hospitalist attending called Question of the Day. And basically, it was a team building exercise where we would answer personal questions about ourselves in order to get to know each other a little bit better. And they would go from most, you know, very innocent questions, very not personal questions. And the more time that we spent together, we would talk a little bit more about personal things and that sort of nature. And it was actually really fun. You find out things that you never really would Otherwise, with your teammates, people that you spend the majority of the day with. And it was great. We used to talk about like, what movies have you never watched? Or what's your favorite food? Or what would you have done if you weren't in medicine? What scares you, et cetera. It's it's really, I highly recommend it if you lead a team. Okay. So the goal to get out of overwhelm is to take action. That's what we need to do because overwhelm, when we get stuck in this pattern of thinking and this pattern of behavior and feeling overwhelmed and getting overwhelmed, we're like, oh my God, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? I'm overwhelmed. And then you get stuck in this pattern and you don't do anything. And then by nature of not doing anything, when you know or feel that you're supposed to be doing something, it's this vicious cycle that just keeps going on. And then you're like, 
oh my God, I'm not doing anything I should be, but I can't because I'm overwhelmed. And you can see how that snowballs. Even saying that the way that I just did, I feel, you know, anxiety. I feel kind of this heaviness in my chest area. And I know that you probably feel it in a similar spot when you get overwhelmed or you get stressed and you become frustrated as well. So here's the thing that we're going to start with. We're going to start with our external environment first, because in many ways, that is something that people feel like it is an actionable step for them. And so this is what I want you to do. Take some time to declutter and to declutter your house, your life, your technology, your emails, your notifications, your social media, all of the things that take up space, physical, mental space, we need to declutter it. I read this article recently that was really great, and I will link it in the show notes about how clutter actually causes anxiety and it's science-based. They've done studies about this. They took women and men actually, and they had them go around their house and describe what they were seeing in their house at that very moment. And they would take saliva samples from these participants as they were going around and describing like, oh, I've got toys everywhere and the laundry's not done. And, oh, you know, that was a project that we started, but we didn't finish because we didn't have time or we forgot and things got busy. And then they measured the cortisol samples of these people. So relating to the stress hormone in a sense. And they found that the amount of clutter in a person's home was directly proportional for women, directly proportional to the amount of stress that they felt in the home. And what's really interesting about this study was that the men that they looked at didn't have the same fluctuations that the women did, presumably in many ways because they didn't believe that it was part of their responsibilities. And even though men have 25% more neurons in their visual cortex, men are very visual creatures, they didn't have the same fluctuations, which is really interesting in kind of a societal cultural perspective of the division of labor in a household between the male and the female partners. That is something that's really interesting to me and something that probably we can talk about at another point. But stress, chronic cortisol elevations, we already know in medical literature that it causes a lot of adverse effects to our body, our mental health, organ damage, suppressing our immune systems, our cardiovascular systems, our hormonal and reproductive systems, really everything. So if you just think when you feel overwhelmed or let's say when you want to do something productive or you need to do a task, sometimes what you'll start doing is just cleaning everything around you, right? The brain processes and takes in just about 1% of the visual stimulus that it gets. And so if everything around you is messy, then what? how's that going to translate into the things that you need to accomplish? 
if everything around you, all the sensory information that you're getting is mess and clutter and disarray and disorganization, then it's going to be translated into your body in a similar manner. They've also done studies where subjects were more productive, less irritable, and less distracted in clutter-free environments versus disorganized environments. And I really love this quote that they have in the article, quote, by purging unneeded items from our homes, it's like deleting files to create disk space on your computer. Suddenly, the whole operating system is more efficient. This decreases stress and increases your effectiveness personally and professionally. And so you remember, and you've probably seen Marie Kondo and her book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. She has the Netflix show. Now she has products in the container store. It's become a whole movement and there's been so many, so many articles written about it. And she, her method advocates for picking things up, actually touching them and asking yourself, does this spark joy? And then if it doesn't, or if it no longer does, it used to in the past, then you thank it for its role, its service in your life, and you let it go. And by doing that, you start to create a system and a house and later on a life that revolves around things that spark joy for you. And she does it very systematically as well. She tells you to start with clothing, right? Things that are less personal in many ways. Start with off-season clothing. So if you're in the summer, start purging your winter clothing. If you're in the winter, vice versa. And what she does is by forcing you to make decisions based on values, not just based on, does this look nice? Do I like it in a sense, or do I need it? Sure, you're going to need it, but do you need it? And does it spark joy within you? These are value-based decision-making, and she's making you do it in a stepwise incremental manner. You're practicing in a sense with things and objects, and then you move on to more personal things and objects, photographs, memory keepsakes, souvenirs from travels or things of that nature. And then that bleeds over into our lives. The more important aspects, our jobs, our finances, friendships, relationships with ourselves and with others. And so this is something that we can all do in our lives right now is to declutter, let's say, start with your physical space. And if you get overwhelmed and you're looking at your house being like, oh my God, there is so much to do. I can't, there's no way. Pick something small. The key to manage and get out of overwhelm is to take action. Action requires us to do something, even if it's small. It doesn't have to be the huge, massive action that you think that you need. It just needs to start with a tiny little step. And, you know, I'm thinking of some of my friends when um, I'm recording this episode. I have a, and I don't know if she's listening, but I love you, my darling. But 
I remember what going to her house once and I just felt like so anxious in her, in her place because there was just stuff everywhere. And I was, I just remember thinking like, how do you, how does one live like this? Perfectly fine. You know, but I imagine that there's gotta be a lot of anxiety and and I'm not saying that I'm perfect. Okay. I, between my husband and I, I am the messy one. (laughs) I'm definitely the messy one. And at the same time, I have had to learn the hard way that when I keep my things messy, when I allow my life to get in the way of keeping things in order or organized, that definitely bleeds over into my life. And then I start wondering, like, why do I feel like I have no energy? Why do I feel like I'm just in a fog all the time? Why do I feel like I'm stuck? Why do I feel like I'm so stressed more so than normal? These things add up and we don't necessarily realize it. You know, I always think of the the junk drawer too. If all your stuff is just masked in a messy drawer, that you don't want to open, you know, that doesn't count as decluttering or organizing, right? If you're just like, oh, that's the closet that we don't open because there's a ton of shit in it. Well, then that that doesn't count. And I'm guilty, very, very guilty of that as well. And I learned something cool recently, a term called resetting the room that helps with keeping your house in order, which I really like. So It's the concept that once you're finished using the room, you reset it to the state where it should be. So once you're finished using the kitchen, reset it, clean it. Don't leave the dishes in the sink and put things away where they belong. Once you're finished using the living room, put the things back, put, you know, reset your your couch throw and the blankets and the pillows, et cetera, et cetera, your bedroom when you're finished using it. These things all add up because it's a lot easier to do it in the moment than it is to leave it to another time. And then you're like, oh my God, everything is everything is haywire. It's a mess. It's out of control. How am I ever going to do it? And then overwhelm, overwhelm, overwhelm. And this is just a part of our daily lives, right? My patients and their families get overwhelmed so quickly, so easily, and rightfully so. They're in a very stressful situation, but they come to the hospital and they're like, what about the antibiotics? How long are they going to be on antibiotics? Is, are, are they going to need surgery? What kind of surgery? What's the recovery going to be like? How, how am I going to pay for everything? Well, what about when they leave and a, a rehab? Am I going to have to pick a place? I don't want to pick a place where people are going to be like abusing my family member. And then what about when they come home from physical therapy where am I going to put the hospital bed? Like everything's, there's just no, and then we were like, okay, hold up. Let's take a deep breath. Let's wait a minute. Why don't we just get them admitted to the hospital and then upstairs to a room? And then we'll talk, we'll talk about it. Okay. Let's just take it one day at a time. And then that term, those few words, let's take it one day at a time. Everyone responds to that term. You just see in their bodies, their shoulders just kind of like relax and their face stops getting scrunched up and they just are kind of like, yeah, okay, we can do that one day at a time. And that's the same when it comes to your overwhelm, when it comes to decluttering 
and the other things that we're going to mention. We're going to go a little bit deeper when it comes to tackling overwhelm. We're going to talk about mind-body connection and things that we need to do. And then really the most important is managing our minds, the thoughts that we have, the unhelpful behavior patterns that come as a result of those unhelpful thoughts. So just take your time one day at a time. If you need to break it down one hour at a time, one moment at a time. And what you're doing, like you're decluttering, like Marie Kondo's concepts, you're building tolerance. You're increasing your capacity to be able to make decisions, to be able to manage your emotions, to manage your overwhelm, to manage your stress. So there you have it. You have a task ahead of you. Declutter your life, your digital life, your physical life. And I promise you, you're going to feel a little lighter and a little better the more and more you do it. So I know what I'm going to be doing over the next few weekends, especially since January sucks. (laughs) I'm sorry for any January babies out there. I love you all. Anyhow, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and I will see you on the next one. That was our show for today. Thank you so much for allowing us to spend some time together. If you like what you heard and you haven't already, please share with a friend, subscribe, rate, and write a review. You can follow us on Instagram at PurposeFilter and on our website, PurposeFilter.com. Join me next time for another episode, and thanks for listening.